Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. sense to men to make salvation all about water baptism, but it is how men strip the gospel of its power. Wow. I think I've taught you all all, uh, strongly about the need for water baptism for a believer, but you have to make sure you, you keep it where it belongs. Listen. Saved. 
That old man died and is supposed to be buried. Go out and have a proper funeral. But let's not act like the way he died was that we buried him and suffocated him. Is this helping anybody? You're a monster if you bury Granny before she dies. Until afterwards. She has to have died first. All right. Uh, I don't need, need to handle that too much. But it's a powerless thing. It strips the gospel of its power because it's not a, about ritual. Never have been, never will be about ritual and how you, how you relate to God. Let me tell you something. Christianity is so different from other religions. It's actually opposite. I used to say Christianity is not different from other religions. It's opposite of the religion. But all other religions have something you have to do. And you strip them you strip them all of their of their various kinds of doctrines they have. In essence, they're all exactly the same. It's all about how you perform and whether or not it'll all shake out in the end. And sad to say, so many Christians have that mindset, that their redemption is contingent upon how well they perform, instead of upon Jesus, and how well he performed. Does this sound different from most of religion? It is, it's opposite. It's not about how you perform, it's about how he performed, and you believed him. Now that alters how you perform, that alters how you act. Going to heaven, not about your performance. It's all about his performance. And I will never preach anything other than that. That is the gospel. It's what separates us from everybody else out there in the world. That, frankly, legalistic Christianity is no different from Islam. We're all working at getting there. They just please God in a different way than legalistic Christianity does. Still see God as an angry God. You better straighten up and you get you. How does that find its way into Christianity? Well, the Bible says that God opened the ground when they didn't honor the prophet of God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say that just like Jesus hadn't died. Hello. I was under the law at the foot of Mount Sinai. I didn't think you'd come to that mountain. I thought you'd come to the city of the living God. I thought you'd come to Jesus and the spirits of just men made perfect. Woo! Hallelujah. Talk like that just as though Jesus hadn't died. As though he hadn't been buried. As though he hadn't risen from the dead. What nonsense! back in on me, they roll in on you. I know they do. Verse 18, here's why. They roll back in on the clouds of unbelief and legalism. For the preaching of the cross didn't perish, but it was Men 
just can't wrap their brain around this, that an innocent man died so that the guilty world could walk free. That's just so hard to get a hold of and keep. Paul said to Galatians, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that you are so soon removed from the gospel. Amazed that you're so soon removed from the gospel. And he went to tearing them up about adding regulations that they had to do to perform. Oh, they were performing well. Made him mad as all get out. You study the book of Galatians with me. Made him angry. Call them witches. Call them witches. Who bewitched you? Who dragged you into witchcraft? You see, that's what I'm saying. Legalistic Christianity is no different from other religions. Witchcraft is all the same. I don't worship the devil. Tell me about what you worship. Know. But you do. The moment you take the focus off Jesus Christ of Nazareth and you put it on anybody but him, you've just become a witch. I've been baptized for Christ. Exactly what it is. Anything other than Christ. Anything other than Jesus. And you ought to get in your car and talk in tongues and worship Jesus all the way home because of this message right here. God just thank Jesus all the time. Tell him, that's what I want to do. I want to release a spirit of gratitude to God's people. Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's about Jesus. Always has been, always will be. God, the Father, saw to it that he would get the preeminence. Funny how he doesn't always get the preeminence. It's amazing how much you can hear preach and never hear them mention Jesus. What Jesus did, what Jesus is, and who he is, and what he's about right now. I'm unashamedly a Jesus man. Can I get a witness in this house? I'm unashamedly a Jesus man. Preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. They didn't just say the cross is the power, he said the preaching of it is the power. Woo! Don't, don't fire the preacher just yet. <laughs> he didn't say the cross was the power, he said the preaching of that cross was the power. He didn't say making crosses and hanging them around your neck was the power. He didn't say having crucifixes up behind the pulpit is the power. All that stuff to water down the power. He said the preaching of the cross. Meaning what? Oh, oh, the cross. No, 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 no. No. Get all religious about the cross. The very thing that set us free. The point of the cross was... That the blood of the covenant was poured out there. And God became a man and poured out his life. We preached the cross because the cross finished it and made a way to God. Woo! Don't mind if I do. What happened there that counts? The preaching of this. That finished it. That finished it. You don't have to die. You don't have to die. You have to believe. All the dying you need to do will take take care of itself when you believe. When Cornelius believed, they went back and told what happened in, in Jerusalem, what happened at Cornelius' house, and the Jews said, then God granted repentance. They didn't even have to repent. They believed and God granted them repentance. All the repenting you needed is wrapped up in what you'll believe about God. You, yeah, woo, hallelujah, all the change of mind you need is wrapped up in your faith. Will you believe God? I mean, you repent, try to change your mind. Oh, oh, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Well, get off that and just believe God and the repentance will come. 
convicted. God gives everything to those that will believe. He'll even give repentance to you if you'll just believe it. We don't ever see Cornelius going, oh, Lord, we're so sorry. We're sinners. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. I'm sinner, and I'd be, oh, we're just such sinners. We just hope you'll forgive us and heal our hands. Cornelius didn't do that. He just sat there listening to the Word. When he got to that part, when Peter got to that part, Acts chapter 10, verse 43, to him give all the prophets witness. Whoever who now see, now see, what's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. To him give all the prophets witness, and whoever believes on his name shall receive the remission of sins. It says, while he yet spoke those words, the Holy Ghost fell on everybody who heard that word. Hallelujah! 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 Man, oh man. That's why right here in this little this little room right here, with just a couple of guitars and just a little bit of little bit of time worshiping Jesus, we have manifestations of the Spirit just pop up. Like that. Because it doesn't take a whole bunch of gyrations. All it does is just, just uh, really all we're trying to do is clear our minds. We're not trying to get God to do anything. We're trying to clear our minds so we can focus on the right thing. And have the Holy Ghost show himself because Jesus has been glorified. My, 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 my. But meanwhile, I shall tell you. Not just the cross. Not just the cross, but the preaching of the cross is a message. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Wow. The cross properly preached silences the detractors. It says Christ did it all. Christ did enough. Verse 20, where, there, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Did you see this? The world's wisdom does not, cannot bring men to God. And how did he start all this business about men's wisdom and the world's wisdom? Saying, huh? That water baptism is how you get saved. He's the one who made the separation. He said, that's all the way men think. Always, you got to do something. He's always trying to pull them out of this nonsense. Have to do something. You've got to perform something in order to be saved. Because that's just man's way of thinking. It makes perfect sense to men. All they even say, How could I ever repay you? Stop that. Stop trying to repay him. You can't. Get over it. If you could repay him, we couldn't call it grace. Stop standing around asking dumb questions like that. You can't repay him. Woo! Hallelujah! He doesn't even want you to. In fact, men are still trying to repay him. That's, that's, what that, that's what all that stuff is about. Men trying to repay him for what he did so graciously for them. Oh, but i got to pay you some way. Oh, really? Oh, really? But if you can pay for it, you can't be the real deal. That's what I gave his prices. What Jesus said, that's what Jesus, what he gave his prices. He said, ain't no way to pay for it. Stop asking that question. Lord, what could I ever do to repay you? Well, he doesn't even want you to repay him. I was going to say, what can I do to become a pagan again? For you, Lord, I want to be a pagan again. Forgive me, I want to. All right. I know, yeah, I know it makes sense to men to think like that. He said the wisdom of men does not, does not carry the wisdom of God. Please God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Save them to do what? Uh, that join the church? Huh? 
start tithing regularly. You need to join the church and start tithing regularly. But it didn't say that you were going to save you because of it. And by the way, if you choose, if you want to just be a member of this church and tithe regularly and not believe, we'll let you do that. But the rest of us, we're going to heaven. I mean, we'd rather you go to heaven with us. But we'll take your money. <laughs> we prefer you go to heaven. Verse 22. For the Jews require signs and the Greeks seek after wisdom. This really sums up the two dominant cultures of the day. Don't forget, two dominant cultures of the day. Two dominant cultures. Rome was not big in spreading their culture. They were big in spreading their military and their colonies. They couldn't care less if you could speak Latin. In fact, it didn't burden them at all. They mostly all spoke Greek anyway. Almost all the Jews spoke Greek. Jesus stood up on that great day and he introduced himself to the world in the synagogue there. Uh, I believe it's Capernaum. Anyway, he stood up there and he introduced himself, said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He was reading from the Greek Septuagint text. He, he read Greek. He spoke Greek. There is no doubt in my mind. Some people act like he didn't, but he did. There's no way he could. History tells us he, he had to. He spoke Greek. He spoke Aramaic. It was probably his normal tongue around the house and the things that. But oftentimes Jesus spoke Greek. They are Greek and Jewish culture were the dominant cultures of the Mediterranean. Jewish people had so, so influenced the world. They had influenced the world from Solomon's time. Influenced the world about cleanliness. They really had. They had way influenced the world about cleanliness and the way our homes should be, what kind of foods that people ought to eat. They had made a great impact on the world. And then Alexander the Great came in and he began to push Greek culture and they found that that Greek language, language was the most honest language in the world. The Greek language is to this day the most honest language in the world. You can't write a Greek word in a silent letter anymore. How many of y'all speak English? How many silent letters are there? How many rules are there that, you know, we, we, write, we write a word and, well, you don't always pronounce it the same way. I mean, what does H-E-A-R mean? Well, it means here. It don't mean come over here, does it? Well, that's H-E-R-E, but you say the same thing. I mean, we have all kinds of things. We call them synonyms and homonyms and things like that. Well, they don't, they don't have, they have that kind of thing in Greek. It's the real honest language and you make the sound of every letter in the word. Now, sometimes you sound it swiftly, but they're, they're still sounding just the same. And Greek, Jewish culture dominated the world. And it's why it was so difficult for the Romans to hold that empire together. It was a powerful empire. It was hard for them to hold it together. They even, even in their architecture, they want to say Roman architecture. You can't say Roman architecture. Huh? Everything about the Roman architecture is Greco-Roman. Hmm? So, so he, when he says to the Jews and the Greeks, he's really talking about everybody, everybody in that world. And by the way, he's really talking about you when he says Greek. Because you think abstractly. The Greeks taught the world about thinking abstractly. The Greeks taught the world about thinking abstractly. You think abstractly all the time. And we, we think abstractly, and one of, the, one of the ways we do it, it's in the word far, the words farther and further, right? Farther means an actual distance. You know, if you're going to go to Grandma's house and you're going to go to Mama's house, if Mama lives a half mile past Grandma, 
you might say further, but you're not further. You're not going further down the road. You're actually going farther down the road. That's a proper use of the word. It's an actual distance. But we have another word called further, and we use it all the time in the South. It means everything. Now, technically, technically, further is a euphemistic distance. Are you going to go further in this relationship? It's a euphemistic distance. Are you going to go further in, you know, are you going to go further into this subject faster or are you going to fall asleep? Further, further. And, and, and we didn't know how, the world really didn't know much about that kind of thinking until the Greek culture came into play. In fact, Jews did not talk about the presence of God. Jews talked about the face of God. When they talked about being near the Lord, they would say things like the face of God or the hand of God. They, they, didn't, uh, they, they didn't talk about the presence of the Lord like we do. You say the presence of the Lord, you think, oh, God, it's this misty thing. Huh? I mean, someone's presence. You say the presence. Sort of a nearness, but it's it's fuzzy. But now, if I'm in somebody's face, that's a whole different connotation. Well, Jews had this real, this real hard line, concrete way of speaking. For instance, uh, one of our favorite scriptures is in uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. It says, <coughs> "It says death and life are in the power of the tongue." get this right straight out of the Greek. I know it's in the Old Testament. I know it's originally written in Hebrew. But if it had been, been translated from Hebrew into English, it would have said death and life are in the hand of the tongue. Because the word they translate power is yod, Y-A-D. Jews don't, don't have a word for power. They have a hand, a machine, or it's got to be more concrete. Got that word? Got that word in the Old Testament? They borrowed it right from the Greek. Wow, that's amazing. Death and life are in the yod, hand of the tongue. By the way, just give you a quick one here. Whatever you talk about, that's what your life's going to get a hold of. You may not know your tongue has a hand, but it does. All right, so get a hold of the right stuff. Okay. When he, when he talks to these Greeks and Jews, he's, he's talking to everybody because they, they thought one way or the other. Most everybody at this point, especially in Corinth, they, they, they thought their thought was Greek thought. Verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, there's an idea that God might have a weakness. I mean, that's foolish to think it even. But he said, he said, the weakness of God is stronger than men. If you ever find God weak, you got to know this about him. He's still stronger than you are. I mean, if you find him weak, he's still stronger than the strongest man you know. Amen. 
God's weakness is still stronger. All of man's ways. Verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise, not uh, after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. I am so thankful for this verse. I don't know about you, but every Okie is thankful for that verse in the Bible. Huh? I went to school in Love County, the poorest little county in the state. We were dead last, dead last in academic achievement in the tests the year after I graduated. So, I, you know, it must have been really high when I was there. But I got these stats the year after I left that, that uh, not been a couple of years, but it's just one long after I graduated, that Thackerville or that Love County was the lowest county in the state. And that year, Oklahoma had come in 49th of the states. So you you could you could go to school without getting out of bed. Basically, and do as good as the kids who actually woke up. That changed dramatically. Oklahoma really went to work on their stuff the last few years. What was amazing about that? Thackerville was the worst school in the county. So I went to school at the worst school in the county, which was the worst county in the state, which was almost dead last in the United States. It weren't the worst. I think there were two in West Virginia that were worse and they were worse than us. So the fact that I can even speak English is a doggone miracle. Changed a lot. The school has improved dramatically since then. What, what year did we graduate? 1952? Not even born yet. What year was it? 1972. 19. Yeah, we were seniors. It was. It was. Uh, what, what is that? 36 years or 46 years? 36 years. Thank you. 36 years ago, this May, I graduated Thackerville High School. Two years apart, so you graduated in 74, I guess. But look at verse 27 again. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. You might think you have nothing to bring to the table. Oh, you're just the person he was looking for. Because somehow he saw something in you that you could not see in yourself. And he glories in taking people like us. He just glories in taking people like us. In, like us. In fact, in fact, the very first person he took to heaven with him. The very first person he took to heaven with him had nothing to offer him. Y'all see me do this before most of you, but I just see this thief on the cross. He's nailed there beside Jesus. And finally, he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I want Jesus with me. Why would I want you, man? Look at you. You 
been a filthy robber, sedition, ugly. You deserve to be here. Why would I take you into my kingdom? What are you going to do? I don't allow thieves there. I mean, even if, I mean, how long are you going to serve me? For the rest of your life? serve you for the rest of my life, Jesus. Uh, what did Jesus say? He didn't say anything about it. He said, I'll take you. I'll take you just like you are. He just glories in taking the worst of the worst. Don't you know? Don't you know that the religious people that do actually make heaven are going to be so shocked to see you there. They're going to be so shocked to see us there. You're going, my God, they were right. I'm sweeping streets and they got mansions. I don't know. I just know they glory. I have the thought that somewhere in glory they're sitting around talking about theological things. You know, they're really delving into it deeply because that by itself is a pleasure and a joy. Just, just the... It's the nurturing of our hearts and our minds with the truths of God. Can you imagine them just sitting around heaven talking about the things of God and having the Apostle Paul say, you know what, I never even saw this on earth, but since I've been here, wow. Can you imagine what he could teach like them? You just see them sitting around. In fact, Jesse DePlantis went there, and he saw Paul teaching people. Paul's still teaching. I, 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 just, I, I, just, I just think about that. I, I think... What might it be like, you know, all the theologians have gathered together on a great night. They've advertised it all over glory. Everybody in their tuxedo. And they picked out maybe old W.A. Criswell, one of the greatest preachers of grace you ever heard. W.A. Criswell, great theologian, First Baptist Church in Dallas. Wonderful old man. One of the old gentlemen in the see him getting ready to make his discourse. And the sentinel from the door runs over to the platform and says, Sorry, Dr. Christmas, you're going to have to take a seat. You're going to have to take a seat. All the rest of you who are going to speak after Dr. Christmas, y'all are going to sit down. I say, why? Is Jesus coming? No. The thief on the cross is coming. Blesses me to think that there's an old ex-convict walking around glory who knows more about the grace of God than ten thousand theologians. Oh, hallelujah! There's a little. Ah. Somebody says, "Doctor, doctor, tell me about grace." I don't know. You'll have to talk to me. They call him. They don't call him a Grace took care of. of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The base things of the world and the things which are despised have God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things of God. Well, you might wonder why 
nothing things at all. He wants to bring to nothing the things that have risen up in your life against the grace of God. Why? 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 Deem it so important to bring down those things that high and mighty Lord, do you have it there? Read it for me. John 15, 7. Stop reading when I say stop. Jesus said bearing fruit is. Bearing fruit 
is receiving from God. You're bearing fruit when you get your prayers answered. Hallelujah. When the Word abides in you and you then you ask for something and God gives it to you, that's bearing fruit. Well, I thought bearing fruit was doing all the stuff. You know, jumping through all the hoops and balancing on the right ledge and doing all the stuff that God requires. I mean, quit smoking, quit drinking, quit Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just going to do all that. But that's not what bearing fruit is. What bearing fruit is, that's sacrifice. You've been talking about sacrifice, that other stuff. Bearing fruit is having his word about it and get your prayers answered. Ooh. And then it says, some man-made idea, God gives glory when His manifested power shows up in your life to do stuff. It says the whole city of Samaria glorified God when Philip went there and preached because of the miracles that broke out. It said the whole city glorified God. They glorified God because they heard the Word and they received miracles and healings. Can I get a good amen here? This is really powerful. That's what Christ has become to us. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and the buying back. What redemption means, the buying back. As long as men believe that their salvation is about their performance, then God cannot receive the glory He deserves. As long as men believe that somehow their actions, their good deeds, have to do with their salvation, then God cannot and will not receive the glory siphoned off because of their performance. Is that all right, Pastor? You correct me every time I go wrong. Okay. That according as it is written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. I want you to just stay seated. But I want you to just glory in the Lord right now for a minute. Would you just glory in the Lord? There's some stuff you need to glory in. There's some stuff you need to glory in, some things you need to glory in Him about, some things you need to say to Him that bring Him glory, say about Him that bring Him glory. Sometimes when you receive your miracles, sometimes when you receive healing, sometimes when you were bearing fruit, amen, right, right here, right tonight, people bore fruit received from the Lord, receiving from the Lord, they bore fruit, receive what God has promised them to make them happen. Hallelujah. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. And herein is my Father glorified that you bear, bear much, much. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.